do we think about when we talk about the body? Do we think about the physical structure of arms, legs, a torso? Or do we think about its representation of humanity, our moral capacity as humans, and our very existence? Do we consider its significance on both an objective level and an abstract one? Hello and welcome to another episode of Phil Oscarphy with me, your host, Phil Oscar. It's got to be one of the most interesting topics of discussion in our modern day. It's a moral issue, a gender issue, a political and economic issue. This week we're going to be discussing sex work, specifically asking whether the sale and purchase of sex is morally reprehensible. And I'll be taking the firm stance that these actions are indeed immoral. As you may have guessed from my introduction, my argument today will be fixated around the body and what it is reduced to in the realm of sex work. And so I'll be considering the body in these two senses I mentioned, the physical entity used during sexual transactions and the subjective concept of the body integrally linked to the self. To take something with so much significance and so much physical potential and lessen it to another mere thing in this world should not be looked upon lightly. But this is exactly what selling and buying sex does. It reduces the body to an object, a commodity, and a thing for sex. I will discuss each one of these concepts with you today. I should make pretty clear from the start what I will be considering sex work. Sex work will refer to any engagement of sexual activity for payment involving the total or near total relinquishing of one's control of the body, granting almost unrestricted access to the client. More often than not, this will involve full penetrative sex, so it excludes those such as strippers or webcammers who do maintain a high level of bodily autonomy in their activities. Remember, you can be part of the show today. Make sure to jump onto Twitter and tweet your thoughts with the hashtag PhilOscarphy. I want to know where you might disagree with my ideas. Let's firstly discuss disrespecting the body, the body as an object. The notion of sex work constituting a huge disrespect to the body requires some delving into modern philosophy. So let's begin with Kant. At the basis of Kantian thinking on our treatment of others is that we should never use others as a means for our own ends. Apply this to the sex dilemma and we can deduce that Kant thinks we shouldn't use someone else's body to fulfill our own selfish pleasures or our sexual ends. In sex work, there is no desire fulfilled or satisfaction gained by a prostitute. The sex is non-reciprocal and the gratification is reserved to the person paying for sex. This poses a major problem, as, as I said, Kant would say we shouldn't use other people's bodies as a means. We have a tweet in, someone disagreeing with me. It says, Phil, we use other people's bodies all the time for our own ends. Take a short person who needs something off a high shelf and gets a taller person to get it for them. This is totally fine, especially when they're consenting to it. This is no different to people who consent to their body being used for sex. But there is something distinctly different. This is because of the importance of the body itself and because of the significance of what sex does to it. Let me explain. It doesn't take much probing into modern philosophy to find acknowledgement to the importance of the human body 
its unfathomable potential, and its connection to the self. Nietzsche is someone who spoke about the importance of the body. He described it as a symbol of the will, suggesting that it's an all-encompassing expression of a person's being. He rejected the idea that we have a soul, and said that it's actually the body that is a representation of everything we encompass. And he was incredibly critical of those he termed despisers of the body. I realize that's a lot of big philosophical concepts, but my point is that the body is a highly significant thing. Kant, too, acknowledged this very directly when he discussed our duties in sex. He said that in non-reciprocal sex, humanity becomes an instrument for satisfying desires and inclinations. Surely we must all see something wrong with using someone else's physical body, representative of their humanity and whole moral being, as a means to satisfy our own animalistic tendencies. Another Twitter user has a comment. Phil, stay out of other people's business. You claim to be a liberal. Surely liberalism would suggest that even if it is immoral to use someone else's body, as Kant describes, we should let people do what they want, especially if prostitutes want to sell their bodies for money. If they're okay to have their humanity disrespected, they're only harming themselves. Leave them to it. But no, it's not as simple as that. Liberalism only goes so far. For sure, I understand your thought. People, prostitutes, are free to harm themselves. Look at Mill's harm principle. He says that we should let people make their own bad choices, as long as they don't harm others. But even Mill puts a limit on this. He was very against the idea of selling oneself into slavery, and said that to do so would be an abdication of liberty. But reducing your body to object status is surely a form of slavery. Through prostitution, people give near-unlimited access of their body to a client, acting as though property for a given period of time. When someone sells their body for sex, they reduce their body to something that belongs to someone else. And this, I think, very much resembles slavery. It overrides Mill's harm principle and is not fitting with liberal thought. I will clarify again that this disrespect of the body and the reduction of it to an object is fitting with sex work at its most full form. We can see that the body is reduced to something much more like an inflatable sex doll, or in other cases, a penetrative sex toy. Clearly, there is a huge immorality to sex work here, due to the disrespect of the body and the reduction of it to an object. It's not compatible with our morality, nor our liberal beliefs. Let's have a musical break before continuing our discussion. We're back and moving our discussion on to selling the body, the body as a commodity. Selling the body, turning it into another commodity on our capitalist market, is a highly significant juncture. As I've already demonstrated, the body bears a huge moral significance, representing our very humanity rather than just our physicality on Earth. To sell us on the same market that we sell vegetables, taxi rides, and foot cream is surely to downgrade it to something much less substantial than it is. So what's the problem here? The problem is that if we're willing to sell our bodies into servitude on the market, what aren't we willing to put on there? Marx, obviously, was critical of the free market, emphasizing that it turns free men into slaves 
and from owners of commodities into commodities themselves. Whether or not we should be able to place something as significant as our physicality and everything it represents on the market is not a morally simplistic dilemma. I see that someone disagrees with me. They've tweeted, Phil, the free market isn't exactly the most ethical concept anyway. Besides, it's only a socially constructed view that sex and the body being sold is taboo. It's just a matter of normalizing it. Then you won't see it as any more of a problem than other unethical things sold on the market. I see what you mean. It's an understandable view that there's lots of things sold on the market that could be deemed unethical. Take cigarettes or fast food, things which many people don't realize take such a huge toll on them. But we should be very wary of the idea of ever allowing sex work or the sale of the body to become a normal appendage of the market. Doing so would really just further entrench many of the problems with prostitution today and in reality open a very large can of moral worms. To normalize sex work would require developing it to some level of formal market standards, standards which would force transactions to be governed by a series of legal and social norms. Take then the example of John, who pays Frank to clean his windows. Frank claims that he cleans windows better than anyone else. But when John gets home from work, he finds that his windows look terrible. They're clearly even dirtier than they were before. It's probably pretty reasonable to assume that John would refuse to pay for this service. In situations like this, expectations and obligations are often tacit or conventional in nature. Now John goes out the next night and meets Sarah, a prostitute who promises him the best night of his life. After they finish, John felt that it was actually a terrible experience. Should he pay for this service? What would the market's legal norms say to John's refusal to pay, based on his subjective assessment? How do we begin to deal with these situations? A few other of these moral worms we would release include the enforcement of laws regarding non-discrimination on sex workers, putting them into potentially uncomfortable situations, and school children being taught about the merits of sex work, with prostitution being considered a serious career choice. These are realities that do not have simplistic solutions and moral questions we should not have to answer. We have another question on Twitter. Phil, don't we all sell our bodies to the market? I'm a bricklayer and I use my body every day to build houses in exchange for money. Don't sex workers just use their bodies for profit, like me? It's a great question. Martha Nussbaum suggests that we all use our bodies on the market for profit. What distinguishes sex work is that it is socially stigmatized. Realistically, she is incorrect. She suggests that even I, a radio presenter, am using my vocal cords, my body, in exchange for money. Now, as I've described from the start, what happens to a body in a sexual transaction is highly significant. It involves relinquishing almost all ownership of the body and reducing it to a selection of sexual orifices. This, I hope you agree, is very different to me using my vocal cords, or you, a bricklayer, using your hands. Granted, Nussbaum uses an example of someone getting paid to test out new colon examining instruments, a job involving getting penetrated with such things. Yet, there are obviously key differences between this person and a sex worker. A sex worker, similarly, 
relinquishes the use of their sex organs to another, but dissimilarly does so for the sheer pleasure of a client, rather than for the advancement of medical research on behalf of many. The comparison is unable to legitimize the work of the sex trade. The sale of the body on the free market is not a normal phenomenon, nor is sex working a normal profession. To try and legitimize them as such opens too many new issues. I hope we can agree that the point where we begin denying unemployment benefits to someone because there's a perfectly good job available in a brothel down the street is not a point we want to get to. The body is not just another commodity, and it is simply immoral to believe that money could ever be enough to buy someone's life. Let's take another break. Our final topic today is sexualizing the body. The body as a thing for sex. Reducing the body to a singular function ignores its vast capabilities. In sexualizing it, the sex work industry turns it into a mere object with the sole purpose of sex. It's no secret that the majority of sex workers are female and are hired by men. In fact, one in 10 men in Britain admit to having paid for sex. This has huge repercussions on equality between the sexes, repercussions that demonstrate that condoning sex work is not fitting with feminist thought or sexual morality. When men use women in prostitution, they're expressing a pure hatred for the female body. Andrea Dworkin clearly doesn't hold back when it comes to critiquing the sex work industry and its reaffirmation of male supremacy. The outcome of the industry is the creation of a sex entitlement culture among the male population, where the law of male sex right is publicly affirmed. It's a culture where sex is available for every man, no matter how threatening or grotesque. All they have to have is a little money. It reaffirms the notion that sex, something integral to human relations, has a hierarchical nature, and men remain at the top of the hierarchy. We have an objection from Twitter. Phil, you talk about the male sex right. What about female rights? Isn't it a woman's right to do what she wants with her body? <laughs> I understand your logic. Yes, if it is about choices that harm her and her only. No, if it is about choices that have harmful effects on the whole female population. I'm bringing back Mill's harm principle here. We cannot say there's a right for any woman, any person, to perpetuate the harmful sex right norm that is espoused by the culture surrounding the sale and purchase of sex, which results in female subordination. As Kant said, adjusting his wording for this debate, woman can only dispose of things, but she is not a thing. We cannot sell ourselves into subordination as if we are a thing, especially if it regresses society as a whole. Reducing the body to an object for sex and male pleasure, as sex work does, is thus not fitting with a belief in gender equality, nor sexual morality. Including, what should now be clear is that the realities of sex work are firstly not fitting with essential liberal or feminist beliefs, but more importantly, the industry represents a reduction of the body to something worth so much less than it ought, to an object, 
a commodity and a thing for sex. For these reasons, we can conclude that the sale and purchase of sex is morally reprehensible. Thank you and see you next week. <laughs>